Yesterday, we talked about the Stars and their win over the Brooklyn Nets, but everyone contributed to that Pelicans victory, and there were a lot of wrinkles in the offense which should scare the league. We're going to take a look at those today, plus we'll also look at what changes need to be made to the rotations and how the Pelicans did on defense. It's Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans. Your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available right here on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Friday, final show of the week. It's a game day for the Pelicans as they take on the 1-0 Charlotte Hornets. I'm excited for the game. I hope you are too. They've got the Utah Jazz high. Hi, David. Hi, Ron. On Sunday in the home opener as well. That's going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you inside the Smoothie King Center. But I still want to talk about the win over the Brooklyn Nets, 130-108 on opening night, and just how dominant the Pelicans were, since it was finally our first chance to really see this team in action, since guys weren't playing in preseason or they were playing limited minutes. And it was very telling for what the Pelicans want to do this year, offensively, with the rotation, with defense, which are the three things we're going to be covering today. And today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So let's dive right into what we saw from this offense. Their offensive rating in this game, by the way, of all the teams that have played, and the only ones that haven't are the Clippers and the Bucks so far when I'm recording this. Second best in the league, only behind the Boston Celtics after just one game. So like small sample size, all of that stuff. But still, it's nice to see that the Pelicans, the stats are backing up everything that we saw. Middle of the pack in terms of pace, though they certainly tried to play faster and that was dragged down by the Brooklyn Nets. Simply put, they just looked good. There's like no real other way to, you could just simply say that. But that's not what we're going to do here because that's not a fun or interesting segment. So we're going to take a look at exactly what was going on and what made them work so well. I'm trying to pull up the offensive rating number right now. It was 127.5. Boston was 129.9. Third place is Charlotte, 120.6. So there's a significant gap between the top two teams, the Celtics and the Pelicans, and just third. And it started, as we talked about yesterday, with Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and CJ McCollum. Those guys command so much attention from the defense that it's going to create openings for other players. But those players need to fill those openings, too. And that's something that you really saw in Game 1 against Brooklyn. There was so much off-ball movement. Guys cutting A lot of guys just doing loop arounds, basically, and I'll touch on some specifics with that in a second, but everyone just not standing still. There was no stagnation to the offense whatsoever, and to create even more opportunities for Brandon Ingram, CJ, and Zion, there was a lot of pre-initial action movement, so off-ball screen setting for one another to try and free someone to go into another screen so that they had the wrong defender on them, so trying to kind of force pre-switches, in a sense, get a big on a guard and then let the guard come over and get a screen from another big to try and just kind of free guys around and create a little bit of chaos, I think, with what the Brooklyn Nets 
were trying to do defensively and not really know what to do. And you saw a good bit of confusion at times on the Brooklyn Nets defense because of so many actions, one flowing to another, one screen rolling into another screen, rolling into a dribble handoff, so on and so forth. And then you have Jonas Valanciunas, who we talked about yesterday. is kind of, in a sense, a linchpin of all of this. They used him very high. They used him for a lot of, you know, screens on the three-point line or high pick and rolls. And because he's such an offensive threat, if you get him the ball in the middle of the paint, he can just put up a little baby hook or a runner or floater, and it's likely going to go in. Or he has some three-point range and made a three-pointer in this game that teams really do respect that, and he gives you a little bit more spacing than maybe other centers, certainly than Steven Adams or Derek Favors before him, the other two guys that you know should have been playing with Zion Williamson. And this allowed multiple plays where he just sucked a defender out of the paint. Towards the end of the first quarter, there was a fake dribble handoff where you had saw Jonas Valanciunas set a screen for... Brandon Ingram, who then got the ball, passed the ball over to Zion, who's dribble, dribble, dribbling, and it looks like he's going to do another dribble handoff to B.I., and you see Jonas right behind Zion, looks like he's setting a screen for B.I., and it's probably one of the actions they could have run out of this set, and so B.I. comes over, doesn't take the ball from Zion, the defense is keen in on the screen about to come with Valanciunas and the big man not defending the paint is stepping forward and Zion just kind of turns and goes right around Kevin Durant on a dribble handoff to to Nick Claxton at the rim, gets an easy layup. So it's a fake dribble handoff where he just decides to book it towards the rim and scored very easily. There was no one around to stop it. There was no one anywhere close to him trying to really defend it because there were so many other actions happening at once that they were just focused on that. If you can create easy looks like that for Zion, oh man, right? It's just so unbelievably simple, some of the things that they were doing, I thought, but it's actually more complicated than you realize because there's so many things off ball and we're not always trained to kind of watch all of that. So when you see them play tonight and on Sunday, look at how much off ball movement's going on. Take your eyes off of the basketball and who has it and look at whatever else is happening out there. There's so much movement, pre-main action, off ball screening. And when you have key guys like Zion, BI and CJ, it just opens things up for others, like Jose Alvarado in particular, who's really good at recognizing what's happening and getting into the correct position. And then other guys are just cutting and moving. You know, CJ's final made three was basically him running in a huge circle around the half court, losing his defender, finding an open spot and just waiting for someone to get him the ball. Guys stayed at the level of the ball to provide outlet passes. So even if you weren't running a big looping circle, you were moving just enough to put yourself in right position to be an outlet for a teammate, a safety valve. And that's one of the reasons why you saw the Pelicans offense just really go well. You know, you had 74 points from BICJ and Zion, but other guys really contributed. You had Valanciunas with 15 with the offensive rebounding in there. Trey Murphy, who I want to really get into in this next segment when we talk about the rotation with 16. Larry Nance Jr. with 8 as well. All of those guys truly contributed to this win. And so when you have your main players combining for the bulk of the scoring and making life easier for everyone else, and then those guys filling those roles to perfection through off-ball movement, and then because of that making it easier for your main three guys... I've been saying I think this is a top five offense in the league, and I would not be shocked if they're number one at the end of the season. And you saw it on full display in the win against the Brooklyn Nets. But let's talk about the rotation. 
I don't think it was perfect. I thought it was pretty good from Willie Green, but I don't think it was perfect. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Lockdown Pelicans. What do we want to see change? Just a little bit, I think, when it comes to the rotations and the players that they're playing. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net, your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. So you can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. It's not too late to get in on the play, on the Pelicans championship odds or Zion to win MVP, Trey Murphy for sixth man of the year or most improved player. Those are all... Looking pretty good right now. What about Brandon Ingram as a, as a sneaky MVP type of candidate? I think there's chances for all of those guys to win some hardware at the end of the year. You can get in on the NBA futures over at betonline.net. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. This is my 1,320th show. No one else is coming to you like this. Completely free, Monday through Friday, breaking down the biggest stories, the in-depth analysis you want with the local flavor, right? This is not some national media that's not watching the games. I watch every single one. I go to every single one. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend about the show. Leave a five-star review with a comment. Number one thing you can do to support the show. Take two seconds and just leave a comment down below on YouTube. And now make your second listen game to game NBA all of our hosts do a quick minute video after their team that they cover finishes up win loss whatever it is we combined all of those minute videos into one show so if you didn't watch all 12 games on opening night on Wednesday just watch this show and you'll get caught up on everything you need to know in under 30 minutes. The easiest way to catch up on everything going on around the NBA. Follow game to game on locked on NBA available on Odyssey YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so we talked about the stars, we talked about the wrinkles in the offense and the amount of off-ball movement, but what about some of the role players? You know, Zion is going to score, certainly, but what about other guys? Trey, Murphy III, Jose Alvarado, Naj- Najee Marshall, Larry Nance Jr. So let's look at the rotation first. I loved, and I talked about this in the show the other day, that it's just brutal the way Willie Green, in a good way, that Willie Green is using and staggering the star players. Zion and CJ subbed out first, and they brought in Trey Murphy and Jose Alvarado to fill those roles. And then about a minute later, you had Larry Nance Jr. come in. So it was B.I., Herb Jones, let's say, Trey, Larry Nance Jr., and Jose Alvarado. And it worked. And you have B.I. Cook for a little bit, lead that team, get into a rhythm. And then when he checks out, well, Zion and C.J. McCollum are checking right back in. Can you imagine being an opposing team and being like, cool, B.I.'s finally out of the game, and then bam, that. So I liked that. And I liked that it was Trey Murphy III and Jose Alvarado coming right into the game. Jose can get people into their offensive sets right away. It's such a pest on defense that he fits that role perfectly, even if he's not scoring a ton. But you saw him orchestrate the offense and fill a variety of different roles, including realizing when things were going wrong and getting back out to the top of the three-point line to get the ball and reset the offense. I thought that was really important what he was doing. And then Trey Murphy III... This dude is going to be good this year and is going to be in line for most improved player, six man of the year, whatever award you want to throw his way. He's got a chance. He looked fantastic in the game the other night. 16 points, nine rebounds, two assists. Most importantly, four of six from three. And when you watched the way he got his threes, they were all in a variety of different 
ways. It was almost like if you've watched The Last Dance on ESPN and Dennis Rodman's doing that whole like, boom, go, you know, cut this way. And it's like, he's talking about their offense and everything they were doing. And you're like, this dude's crazy. I don't know. There's some shades of what you saw of that. It just reminded me of what Jose, not Jose, Trey Murphy, the third was doing. He made threes on cuts, dribble handoffs, catch and shoots. His third shot was from CJ passing up a good look for a better look to Trey Murphy. You also saw them on him looping around like CJ did, just kind of looking for some space and getting into position. And his release is so quick. He's grown, so he's about 6'10 in shoes, that when he elevates, you can't really block it. Unless, I guess, maybe you're Herb Jones, and we'll talk about the defense in the next segment and what Herb Jones did or did not do on Kevin Durant, though he did block a three-point shot. You know, the final one, the defense was focused on Brandon Ingram getting a screen set by Jonas Valanciunas. And Trey is trying to stay level with B.I. to be an outlet for him. You know, the other side of the three-point line there. Three guys really key in on this B.I. Uh, JV pick and roll. And Trey, 31 feet from the basket, gets the outlet pass, the kind of the release pass from Brandon Ingram, who realized there was just too many bodies there. And then just catches it and shoots it. He's wide open because the defense isn't going to guard him out there. But we've seen in preseason and in practice, he's taking deep threes. The Pelicans have a four-point line on their practice court, and Trey is just shooting most of his shots from beyond that and making them. The defense is going to have no answer for that whatsoever. And that's going to open things up eventually for Zion. When Trey's making all of his shots, and I don't necessarily expect him to go four of six every night, but if he even went four of nine, that still would have been really good here. Teams are going to realize you can't leave Trey Murphy open, and that's going to leave things open even more so for Zion. And Zion was getting a lot of one-on-one looks against Ben Simmons and making Ben Simmons feel real bad during that time. So Trey was so key to this. And then the rebounding that he provided is great too. Four offensive rebounds, including one that I can think of off the top of my head where he really fought for it, and it ended up with a C.J. McCollum-made Three, five defensive boards, two, two assists. He was excellent in this game, really giving the Pelicans a guy they needed off the bench. More shooting is only a good thing for being one of the worst three-point shooting teams last year, for not taking a ton of threes in this game, only 26 on the night. Pelicans still shot 46.2% from deep. Trey Murphy, a big part of why that was happening, that's going to pay dividends as the season goes on. In general, I like the rotation that Willie Green ran. We didn't see any Garrett Temple minutes, which has to make us feel really, really good. And you saw minutes for Najee Marshall and Devontae Graham, and I think those are really the two things that could change. Trey Murphy, for how well he played, only played 24 minutes. Can we bump that up to maybe 30 or so? And Devontae Graham played 15 minutes. Najee Marshall played 14. Their minutes went down in the second half, partially because the Pelicans were winning and you didn't need those guys as much. And you could go to some of the other bench guys a little bit more so. But I'd like to see them get fewer minutes. I don't think you need 15 minutes for Devontae Graham and Najee Marshall, 30 minutes combined. That's one of my like two complaints I have about this game was more minutes to Trey Murphy. And given how sloppy at times the Brooklyn Nets were, and the opportunity for steals were really there, and the Pelicans had nine in this game, it would have been nice to maybe see Dyson Daniels in there to see what he can give you defensively with a little bit more length in the backcourt. 
he's more of a guard than a wing and how they plan to use him. And if Trey Murphy's really solidifying one of those backup wing spots, you don't need to play Najee Marshall as much when Trey's playing like that. So give those minutes to Trey. Devontae Graham, take out, give a bunch of those minutes to Dyson Daniels. Let the rookie who seems NBA ready on defense to go, let, let him go do his thing. But overall, the rotation and the way he staggered Zion, B.I., C.J., and used them together, I thought was really perfect. And we talked about it more on yesterday's show, if you want to go give that a listen, if you haven't already, after that big win that the Pelicans had over the Brooklyn Nets. So coming up next, let's talk about the defense, because I thought it was pretty good. And that was a big concern I had going into this season. So that's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, completely free. This is going to be a fun Pelican season. Don't miss out. Make sure you're subscribed. Tell a friend about the show. Leave a five-star review with a comment. You can do that on Spotify now, too. And, of course, comment down below on YouTube. No one else coming to you all like this. Monday through Friday, five days a week. I had the show up like 30 minutes after the game ended. You were excited. You wanted to hear about it. I was there for you. Now, make your second listen Locked On NBA. The biggest stories around the association. We've got you covered on and off the court all season long. In under 30 minutes, Monday through Friday. I'm on there every Wednesday with my co-host, John Krause of Locked On Celtics. It's available on YouTube, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcasts. So defense was something that I thought could potentially really hurt the Pelicans this season. They played well post-All-Star break last year. And I just did a whole show on this on Tuesday, Wednesday. And everything looked good post-All-Star break, partially because they were starting Jackson Hayes and they had so much length there and just arms everywhere. And they got them in the passing lanes. They created turn defense into offense and were able to get out and run a little bit more. But with Zion Williamson stepping into that role, not having the same length as Jackson Hayes with Valanciunas there, they're going to have to play a lot more drop coverage than they have otherwise. That can lead to a lot of wide open three-point looks for the opponent. And the Pelicans have had trouble containing all of that. And Jonas is not an elite rim protector, not bad per se at rim deterrence, but not an elite rim protector. And if you want to be a competitive team, if you want to be a NBA finals team, you got to have a top 10 defense and you also very much need rim protection. Those were big questions for the Pelicans, but they were ninth best post all-star break last year. They looked pretty good in this. And I said, if you can just get to about the middle of the pack, that will do it with how good this offense could be. And I thought they kind of achieved a lot of that. You know, they can throw a couple of different looks at you. And when guys are as keyed in as they were in this game, that's going to help. I thought Brandon Ingram was good defensively. And I said, we want to see him take a big leap. We just don't expect it from Zion. We're hopeful that a guy like B.I. could because he has all the tools to be able to do so. Zion was also more engaged than we saw him defensively outside of that first preseason game. Also helped that at times he was hidden on Ben Simmons, who really was terrified to shoot. And the Pelicans had the right kind of game plan of leave those guys open that you want to take the right kind of shots. But they did a decent enough job of trying to run people off the three-point line, especially using length with Trey Murphy getting minutes. This is probably why they went with Najee Marshall over Dyson Daniels right now. And then, of course, Herb Jones being an absolutely unbelievable defensive player. The one knock that you could have on the Pelicans defensively is in the second quarter, you had Kevin Durant really go 
off and keep this game somewhat close. He had 15 points in the second quarter by himself. And that's with guys like Herb Jones guarding him. And I thought Herb did a really good job defensively on him. It's just freaking Kevin Durant, and there's not a whole lot that you can do when he is on and making shots like that. Though, Herb Jones had one of the more unbelievable defensive plays I think we've seen in a really long time. On SportsCenter, they showed Kevin Durant blocking that dunk attempt by Brandon Ingram. That wasn't the most impressive defensive play in this game. It was Herb Jones blocking the Kevin Durant three. I've said this repeatedly on the show last year. It's hard to block three-point attempts. Players don't take them if they think there's a chance of it getting blocked. Let alone a guy that's seven foot and jumping and with an insane wingspan in Kevin Durant that... It's not like you can elevate above him to get a hand on the ball, except Herb Jones did it. We saw Herb Jones also block a three-point shot through a screen while he was getting bodied up in the preseason. There was a game, I think it was the playoff game, where he blocked three three three-pointers in a game. That is unheard of, to block a Kevin Durant corner three jumper? My goodness, but here's the thing that makes it more impressive. Kevin Durant was in the corner as the anchor man. You had, I forget the specifics of it, maybe it was Kyrie or someone else had the ball in their hand and they were kind of driving from the middle of the three-point line looking to go down. And you saw Herb Jones help off of B.I., rotate away from B.I., or not B.I., Kevin Durant. Their games look so similar. And then the ball gets to KD, and so Herb has to get back over, recover, out of position to defend this, still jumps, elevates, blocks the shot. Out of position, running back to make a play like that. Ended up with the Pelicans getting the defensive rebound and running in transition. Just an unbelievable, he just put an exclamation point on his resume and it's game one to either win defensive player of the year, which won't end up happening for him, but he's going to make a strong case for one of the all defensive teams this season. Larry Nance Jr. I thought was good when they went with him as the small ball five and he's very much the small ball five. He really went out there and gave the Pelicans the opportunity to switch a little bit more, play less drop coverage, harass the... Uh, Brooklyn Nets on the perimeter a little bit more. And with length in Trey Murphy, Herb, B.I., that really does help. If you can kind of push the point of attack a little bit more, try and force passes using those long arms of yours and the length that you have, it's going to end up in some steals. And that's how the Pelicans are going to be able to get out and run and play in transition more so than they would have otherwise. They had 26 points off turnovers in this game. That's a good number to be able to have to go out and try and turn defense into offense, which is what this team really wants to do. Antonio Daniels would be preaching about that a lot right now. So the defense wasn't amazing. At times, they let guys cook. You saw a couple backdoor cuts or wide open threes after the defense was in real big recovery mode. It ended up being okay because the offense is so good. Right now, they're ranked 15th in the league, exactly middle of the pack. If that's where they stay, I think that's a win for New Orleans this year. So pretty much everything went well in this game. We'll see if it continues over the weekend. Two games tonight against the Charlotte Hornets and Sunday, the home opener against the Utah Jazz. I'm excited for everything. This is going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you are subscribed to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Pelicans, this week of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Be back with you all on Monday. We may have a short or two on the YouTube channel this weekend.